Let It Go from the 2013 Frozen soundtrack. That song is phenomenal, it's got a lot to say. And today's guest, Annie Lobear, the founder of Hookers for Jesus, is with us to talk a little bit about that song and a little bit about her organization. Buckle up, stay tuned, we're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello, welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word through song and verse. I am your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. We are so happy you've decided to join us today. Frozen was a groundbreaking movie in 2013. Uh, Disney really hit a home run with this one, but the song Let It Go from that movie was even bigger. And if you really look at those words in that song and and break those down, which we did in a Bible study a couple weeks back, and we'll link to that in the description, you really find a narrative that has a lot more to say about life and who we are and letting go of our past than just some Disney cartoon. There's a lot to say in that song, and you should take a look at that. And in today's episode, we have Annie Lobear, the founder of Hookers for Jesus, with us. She's also the wife of Oz Fox from the band Striper. And it was really an honor to have Annie on with us today, who really did a great job spelling out just how dangerous and detrimental the world of human and sex trafficking is. And we really appreciate Annie coming on the show. There's a lot to take in here. And she had such a sweet spirit about her. We had some major technical difficulties trying to get this podcast up and running. Computer issues left and right. Had to throw my laptop in at the last second and get that up and running. And it wasn't quite as smooth as I wanted it to be, but I think it really turned out well. And special thanks to Annie for being such a good sport about that and actually taking the time to let me get those issues worked out. It was really great talking to her. Such a sweet spirit, such a sweet woman. And man, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. And so with that, we have Annie Lobear today uh, from Hookers for Jesus. And she's also the wife of Mr. Oz Fox from the band Striper. How is it going today, Annie? It's going well. It's like 95 degrees here. How are y'all doing? Uh, we're, you know what? It's a little rainy today down in Florida, but we're, we're hanging in there. And at least- I'm jealous. It- I want a beach. I want a beach. Come on. Yeah. Hey, come on down. We'll, we'll take you, you know. <laughs> hang out at Ron John's and all that good stuff down here at Cocoa hey, wait, Beach Wait, how, Or- how far are you from Orlando where the, where the World Di- Walt Disney World is? That's about 45 minutes. Ooh, I like to come visit you guys. Yeah, I want to go on that Pandora ride. Uh, my wife's been on that. They loved it. My wife and daughter uh, absolutely loved love it. it. They thought it was love great. It, love it, love it. Great. So, so I'm excited to be here. Let's rock it, man. Let's yes, rock this thing. This is, this is so awesome. It's so great to have you. And, you know, I really want to talk a little bit about what Hookers for Jesus is doing out in Las Vegas. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are all about and, you know, how people can get involved and help with this effort. I mean, this is, this is incredible. Well, you know, listen, a lot of you are listening right now and maybe you're watching. Are they watching, Todd? They will be watching, yes. Okay, so... Some people are like, what is up with her? Look at her makeup. I mean, she's colorful. The name is really shocking. So Hookers <laughs> for Jesus is basically based on Matthew 419. I will teach you how to fish for people. It, our motto is this. We are reaching people that are drowning mm. in the sex water 
sex trafficking waters, sorry, sex trafficking waters, pulling him out onto the boat called the Hooker, because there's a boat in Holland called the Hooker. It's a fishing boat. Awesome. And we're sailing them to shore of the Destiny House. So we're helping them get out of the industry, of the sex industry, but also trafficking itself, human sex trafficking. That's our specialty. And the reason why it is what it is, we've been doing this for 15, maybe 16 years now, is because of my own personal story of coming out of the sex industry, coming and escaping from two different traffickers that were super violent. My mm. first one was more violent than the second. They were both gorilla. Actually, the first one was a gorilla pimp. The second one was a Romeo pimp. So 10 years, you guys, 10 years in Las Vegas as a high-class call girl right well and so so tell the audience <laughs> what's the difference between a gorilla and a romeo well they're both the same but the gorilla is more violent he's okay. a lot more violent and threatening okay even though both can be violent and threatening the romeo is more romantic and uses the relationship and the just the uh, the dynamics between a male and a female for manipulation but then also the gorilla does that as well okay and I think more so one of them was more a brainwasher than the other, but they both were brainwashers. Gotcha. So what happens in sex trafficking, what a lot of people don't know is some people think, well, gosh, I mean, did you get kidnapped, Annie? Or did someone knock you over the head and they forced you? Like, what kind of lifestyle was this and how did you get into this? It didn't start out like a forced issue. Most people in the sex industry, there's a very high percentage that will join the sex industry and work as a stripper, work as a massage parlor person, let's say, or one that goes on alcohol. And we can think about that and compare this to sugar babies, sugar daddies, mm -hmm. in a way because sugar baby, sugar daddy websites they actually arrange prostitution, illegal prostitution, and illegal sex trafficking. So men purchase females or males or vice versa, and they pay their rent, their all their bills for the month, whatever that is, in exchange for a sexual favor. And they'll deny it all day long and say, well, I just have a relationship with him. It's like a mutual relationship. What kind of relationship is that, Miss Susie Pants? Right. Oh, you occasionally give blowjobs. You occasionally have sex. Well, that's when I feel like it. It's like, well, you're still having sex for money. Mm -hmm. Honey, let's just keep it 100 with you and me right now. You're a prostitute. So if someone is a prostitute, that denotes and says, hey, I'm doing this freely as my choice. My choice, my body. Right. However, when someone else gets involved and arranges those calls and those situations where you can get sold, when someone's taking a percentage or all of that money, you are no longer free. Right. Now you are a sex trafficking victim. It is illegal mm -hmm. to make money off sex from a third party. Pandering is illegal, AKA sex trafficking. Okay. It's illegal in the United States and sex trafficking is defined as the fraud force or coercion of someone into a sexual act against their will. So in the beginning for me, I got in the sex industry because I had three jobs and I was super tired. I wanted to go to college and I, my girlfriend and I met these two guys at a club one night 
We did not know it, but they were sex traffickers. They had beautiful furs on. I mean, Todd, I should have known. Like, but oh my gosh, I was 18. Sure. I was so excited. I was like out there with a fake ID and living my life. I was young. And do you know your brain does not fully develop usually till about the age of 25? Yeah, okay? I can totally get that. Yeah. So what happens is your brain cells aren't all there, number one. Number two, your reactions and your responses to situations might not be like a normal adults would be you're super like ready to do something you normally wouldn't do and your judgments off you haven't experienced a lot of life yet now let's pack in the reason why i chose the sex industry is because i felt very embittered towards my father my father was very abusive towards my mother and us kids i was abused from eight and nine years old from a neighbor sexually I had a lot of anger mm -hmm. and bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. That was a perfect setup for my trafficker that I met in the nightclub. The perfect setup to be groomed. And what I mean by groomed is romantic, romanticized and invited and massaged into the sex industry. In other words, it's, it's like a frog in water that's getting hot and boiling you're getting groomed you, it's getting hot but you're going this feels pretty good and then by the time it's by the time it is boiling it's too late you're sure. fried right so it's it's really really a process that is sometimes slow and you don't really see everything until it's too late but these guys were, were traffickers and I didn't go with one of the guys but my girlfriend did and in fact I had told my girlfriend I'm totally against pimps these guys had a supposed business on the side. They had like a car lot and like some real estate things that they were doing. My girlfriend calls me up from Hawaii and says to me, I have a great job now. You'll never have to work free jobs anymore, Annie. It's 500 to a thousand or more dollars an hour. You don't really have to have sex. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you doing? She's like, just get here. She flew me to Hawaii. And that night I sold myself for the first time mm. to two Japanese men because my girlfriend was with one of them. And my girlfriend was actually with her trafficker, the guy we met at the nightclub the first night. It was, it's now called Choices down in downtown Minneapolis. And that's where I'm from, by the way, a famous city now. It wasn't supposed to be famous, but it is not only because of Kirby Puckett and the twins winning the World Series and Prince, right? And right. Bob Dylan, right? Lonnie Anderson. They all come from Minneapolis, right? But now because of the riots. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, Minneapolis is famous because it got destroyed. And by the way, that was my neighborhood growing up, Todd. I rode my bike, my banana seat, sparkle banana seat green bike through that neighborhood on a daily basis. Wow. The auto zone that got imploded. Now. Yep. Where the auto zone that got burnt up was Snyder's drugstore when I was a little girl. Oh my god. I grew up in Minnehaha Avenue and Lake Street. That was my hood. So to see it destroyed kind of broke my heart. Well, I'm from Louisville and and you know. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's <laughs> so I get it. It's my another my cra home, another crazy situation. My hometown's just on fire, so. And just just to be be clear everyone on this call and this little podcast right here. I don't I do not 
uh, agree with killing anyone on either side ever. Sure. Okay. Right. I don't agree with rioting. I, I protesting is, is our God given right and our constitutional right, but I don't believe in violence. Sure. I've been violated with violence so many more times than I can count in my life. And it actually triggered me when they started doing the crazy violent stuff. Mm-hmm. It got me really triggered because I was like, oh my gosh, well, I'm ready. I got a gun. I'm ready. Let's go. Like <laughs> if someone's going to come up to me, I mean, this is what it is. Sure. So I've been through so much violence in my life and so much abuse mentally, physically, emotionally brainwashed, all that trafficking by men minority men, by the way. So it's very, very close to my heart what happened because I've seen prejudice. I have seen it full on, but I've also seen people be very, very nice. Well, here's the thing. What I, what I see the spirit behind all of this, mm-hmm. including not addressing riots, including not addressing you know, the election stuff and the BLM stuff is fear. There mm. is fear yep. and complacency, not willing to face things. You know, we all know why our country is in the state it is right now, by the way. We had a, a president called Lyndon B. Johnson that actually put the minorities in slavery with the welfare law that he put in place. Yep. No man can live with you when you collect your welfare check. Well, what does that do to families? It destroys them and pulls them apart. And I well, know from what the African-American my- family was intact before all that and thriving. Uh, they were doing really well. They yes. were doing a lot better than they were before the welfare. Like they, yes. you know, they were on the road to more redemption happening. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing is, Um, And again, I come from Minnesota and it's a very, uh, you know, obviously right now a little bit, little bit volatile, but from where I grew up, I was bullied and I went to school bullied by the Sioux Indian and bullied by the Lakota and beat up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to St. Louis Park roller skating. I got bullied by some black girls. I never held that against anybody. They'd knock me down, call me white and all this kind of stuff. And I'd be like, whatever, because I dated interracially quite a, quite a bit. <laughs> I've never had a prejudice bone in my body. I've been with an Indian man and, uh, and also several black men. And now I'm married to a Mexican. So, and I've been with white guys too. So I've never been prejudiced against my own race, sure. but yet I faced it for myself as a white girl. Mm-hmm. So let that get out there. Now, right. I haven't really talked about this subject that much, but obviously my heart has always been to just love people yeah. and your color of your skin never affected me or the culture that you came from. And even if I was told by other people that were prejudiced, which why I knew people that were, it wasn't that many though, Todd, to be honest with you, majority of my people that I knew in my life, even growing up, majority of people weren't haters like that. Like they didn't no. sit there and make jokes, but you know, I did hear it. So it's not like it's not there. I think any country any culture that's intermingling like that, you're going to have haters on both sides. So anyway, I'm going to just move forward with my story. So people are like, where are they going? They're like all over the, Hey, Hey, welcome to Alice in Wonderland. Right. That's actually a chapter in my book, Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) Little pill, big pill, big drink, small. So I ended up uh, actually, you know, going to Hawaii, getting turned out. And that means learning how to sell myself. No trafficker, nobody forced me. I was like, hey, 500 bucks, let's go. Because back then in the 80s, double that amount. 
So yeah. I thought, man, this is a lot of money. I mean, and when you're getting $3 and 47 cents an hour or five bucks an hour, that's a lot of money. You're like, whoa, that can pay for my college. Whoa, that can get a nice designer car. Oh, I should say luxury car designer jeans. Cause back right. then designer jeans are like the thing, you know, right. and, and a bunch of like, you know, Chanel and Versace and Gucci and, you know, Fendi and things like that, that I was like, saw as a young teenager and fascinated with. Oh, I want that. And I never could afford it. My parents didn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't spoiled. We didn't come from a middle-class family. We were kind of on the, we had to go to school sometimes to get free lunch and mm -hmm. cheese. And that embarrassed me growing up. I was like embarrassed. I had rum and school clothing most of my life. So I always, we always had to go in the basement at St. Albert's Grid Catholic church and get clothing mm -hmm. that was in bags. We dig through the bags. I'm not kidding you. It's Todd. This is where I come from. Yeah. Do you see why? A girl like me sure. could literally want something better in my life. Definitely. You know, my mom and dad were both very hardworking. I have to say that about my father. My father was abusive, but I loved him. Mm -hmm. And my father always provided for our family. Mm -hmm. So did my mother always. They always had a job. They were always working, very responsible. And so I learned that work ethic to this day. I am that person. Yeah. I will always have a job. I will always be working because mm -hmm. if you don't see me working, I'm going to tell you what, I will get into all kinds of mess and all kinds of trouble. Mm -hmm. Trust and believe that. Okay. Right. <laughs> you don't want to see me not working because I get to board and I'm like, let's do this. I'm woo woo all over the place. No, Annie needs to be at work. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, coming back to Minnesota and my girlfriend stayed in Hawaii, but they had a house in Las Vegas. In fact, her trafficker had houses in Vegas, uh, Baltimore, Hawaii his friend had a house in Hawaii anyway I think also in Chicago and all over the place they had like homes with women working for them and trafficking victims basically they were trafficked I got back to to Minnesota and I quit all three of my jobs I worked for American Express which is the head office in Minneapolis downtown Minneapolis and I worked for Delano's Pizza oh my gosh they have the best pizza Mm. In Minnesota, if y'all ever go to Minnesota, Lake Street, the Luno's Pizza, it's the, uh, to this day, love it. Love awesome. it. Thin crust pizza. It's so, 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 so good. All Everything's homemade. And then I worked for Ichiban's Japanese Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. So I quit all three of my jobs and I started working the escort services. A couple months into it, I almost got killed twice. So I quit. And I started working at the strip clubs because I thought if I can pick the men that I sell myself to, I'll be safer. Like that really matters. No, it doesn't. A guy can be a weirdo. A guy can rape you behind the scenes wherever he wants. He can flip the switch that quickly into abuse, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually had a, a small conviction in my heart about Jesus because I grew up in church, but I never really considered myself a full-blown, like, on-fire Christian. I believed in Jesus when I was four or five years old, and then eight and nine, I had an epiphany with God for a little while, and I went to a parochial school for two years, Lutheran school, but then I just literally, like, came back and got into the escort service and started working at the strip club, quit the escort services, and that's where I met my boyfriend my Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? And he came walking in the club. And in fact, right now today, if they look it up, it's on Hennepin Avenue, it's called Spearmint Rhino, gentlemen's mm. club now. 
they bought the property. But back then it was called the Skyway Lounge and it was the place where all the businessmen would come because we had Skywalk. Downtown Minneapolis during the winter has this really cool system where you walk between all the buildings, everything's heated and they're, they're bridge, bridge walks and they're, you can look outside and walk from building to building, go to eat, go shopping, go to your business appointment. It's really cool, right? Sounds like go a really a concert, cool city. I've never been there. I'd go love to, a, to go. go to a movie. Yeah. And, and so Skyway Lounge was a place where there was a strip club mm-hmm. and it was connected to the city center. And you would leave city center and walk outside to the strip club. And it was right there. And that's where I met him. And he came walking in and he, and he had a long ponytail on his hair and he was really good looking. And I was just totally enamored by him. And we started dating. He bought me a drink, gave me a bunch of money. And I just was like, Whoa, this guy's really cool. And I had no idea that he was a trafficker. I had no idea. I knew he was dealing drugs later on. I found out I was like mortified by it. I, I, I was, you can't do this. Like you can't deal cocaine. The crack cocaine epidemic back then was huge. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. And it was like this coming out of the disco era, going into the metal rock era, to the the hip hop era. is like a super crazy transition, right? Grandmaster Flash was getting kind of old and Cool Moldy was coming up to up at age and too short. And uh, gosh, the Beastie Boys started being popular. I would dance, strip dance to Beastie Boys songs, okay? Wow. No sleep. Joe and Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just like, girls, all I think about is girls. Remember that song? Yep. So, yep. And, and of course, Guns N' Roses was just like blasting their new music and Striper, <laughs> all these different genres. Striper had just uh, released, I think, 86, 87, I think. To Hell with the Devil. Hell with the Devil? Yep. Hell, yeah, Hell with the Devil. Yep. And you know, I don't rem- remember that stuff because I danced to all kinds of different music when I was a stripper. This guy was an undercover trafficker and my girlfriend had moved to Las Vegas and she said, hey, come to Vegas. There's a lot of money here. And I was like, girl, Vegas. She was like, girl, you got, you can't, you got to see it. And I was like, we landed. And I remember signing up at the escort service that night, going to see the strip and looking at the lights going, oh my, what is in those, what are in those casinos? Who is in those casinos? This place is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you, to be honest with you, like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, overload, like media overload. Now, remember, back then, there were no, like, big themed hotels that were newer. We still had the Desert Inn. We had the Sands Casino. It's gone now. We had the original Flamingo Hilton, which had the original bungalows in the back that Bugsy Siegel actually had built that had hmm. secret passages to the casino really cool wow. right yeah and we had the original las vegas hilton we had the aladdin we had the dunes hotel mm. the dunes we had the landmark now all those have been imploded you know that right they're all gone no i didn't know any of that and the mirage was just getting built the stilts were in the ground the now golden the m- mirage is there. the one with those big fountains in the front right that's bellagio Bellagio, sorry. The Mirage has the the volcano fountains. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, Mm -hmm. yep, okay. Uh, Of course, Caesars Palace has always been there. And Bally's is still there to this day. So now we have the Bellagio, we have the Wynn, we have the, uh, oh my gosh, what's the name of that place? The Palazzo, the Venetian. Mm -hmm. We have the TI, Treasure Island. We have the Excalibur. We have the 
Mandalay Bay, which we know we hear about horrendous shooting. 51 people died tragically. Awful, awful day that day, October 1st. Oh my gosh, that's tomorrow. Wait, no, the next day. That's wow. a three-year anniversary of that. Yeah. And um, no, was it October 10th? I can't remember. Anyway, all that to say, Vegas was on hit for me. I was enamored. The first night that I worked, I came home, made a little pocket change of money, right? And my boyfriend, that was my boyfriend still at the time, that night he switched into my trafficker. Mm. And he beat me beyond recognition, told me I was his hoe and that he was going to be my pimp. No words for trafficking back then. It was and, the 80s. and so would you equivocate that to like being in a gang and like an initiation of them beating yes. you? Uh, yeah. Yes. And so like, um, you're my property now kind of deal. Right. And so what I want to just share with everyone, everyone's like, well, you're so smart, Annie. I mean, how could you honestly get traffic? Like, what is your deal? Like, I mean, you seem super smart, but let me tell you about tra sex trafficking and what happens. The men or women that do this, they isolate you right? Mm -hmm. They verbally and emotionally and physically abuse you. They coerce you. Okay. See, isolation is really good because they can separate you from your family and your good friends. So they don't know what's going on and they coerce you. In other words, they trick you into believing they're going to treat you well. They trick you into believing this is something that you don't have to stay in forever. This is just temporary. And they also, uh, use, fraud and force with that coercion because they basically make you feel like if you leave you're gonna die they're mm. gonna kill you they threaten you they threaten your family's life they threaten your life they tell you if you leave i'll hunt you down you know you might as well just surrender and just give me what you can and and everything's gonna go good for you like you know don't you know i love you come on i love you this is your best interest so at this the the weird dichotomy of everything is that i loved him it's totally the Stockholm syndrome, which is another thing called fawning, where you are in this captor situation. You can't leave it. You're being threatened. You're being pistol whipped. You're being, you know, followed. You're being stalked. And you can't really make a choice because you know if you try to, you'll get hurt physically. Yeah. And so you're just like this captor. And so you end up making the best of it by pretending to love your captor just to play the game to survive. That's what Stockholm syndrome is. And sometimes Stockholm syndrome can even be this level to where you love your captor, mm -hmm. which I did, but I knew what was going on. I knew I was being trafficked, but I wouldn't, I didn't have words for it. I didn't have words for trafficking. I knew that I could maybe escape if I planned it correctly, but I also knew if I tried to, there would be a big risk of me losing my life or breaking bones or, you know, just doing major damage to my body. See, the traffickers use a bunch of tactics. They, they burn with curling irons. They cut your skin. They'll slice your face. They cut your hair off. They lock you up. They waterboard you. They put you in ice buckets of bathtubs, right? Mm. They, um, use brain games, mind games against you with other people in your life. They pitch the other girls. It's called sta a stable. There's usually other girls that were in the stable with me and they would trick you and push you against each other so that you'll fight each other and snitch on each other and that you'll, you'll make yourself get in trouble with the trafficker. Okay. And the whole time it, it's in the name of love. The trafficker will tell you, I love you. 
and it I almost love the becomes girls. like a, a cult in some ways where it, he's it is kind of, yeah it is it's a dark cult yeah. you do what they say or else you take the consequences right and by the way when you leave it doesn't matter how much you invested i literally was turning between five to seven men a night on a slow night on a busy night 10 to 15 to 20 men a night Jeez. and agency fees was 150 to 250 with their with the agency tip the phone girl tip the people that you send you out on calls and then you get your tip above that so 500 plus or more every night on each call so that would be end up being between on a bad night a couple thousand on a good night five thousand ten thousand dollars right so you hand all that money over to the pimps the escort service is a pimp and your pimp at home is a pimp and you get nothing you get five dollar allowance for to buy condoms and a mcdonald's 99 cent burger yeah, a pack of six condoms back then was two ninety nine or twelve condoms. Was and so, do they hook you in with with like money at the beginning, and then it kind of go, goes away? Is is that? Yeah, and they let you saying? spend some of the money. Yeah, that's how they groom you. They they let you spend some of the money, like you're you know, like oh, you get some of the money, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy a ring or I'm gonna buy an outfit or something. And when you're so broken inside, and you're so like, not you've never had nice things. Oh my gosh, for me, it was a total materialistic hook. Sure. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to wear Chanel. I get to have a Louis Vuitton purse. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Like I've never had this before. Oh, I, I get to have a Lexus. Oh, I get to have a Mercedes. Oh, I get to have a, a you know, Rolls Royce or whatever. It's like, you don't normally get those things when you're presented that you're like, wow. So I was just telling my girlfriend today when we were doing our outreach today for hookers for Jesus, uh, I was telling her about some of the cars that I had in my name. I left with the cars in my name because I knew if I tried to take them, I would most certainly be hurt, right. severely hurt. Now, some people say, well, why didn't you just try to get away? I did, I got kidnapped back. I went back, well, you gotta read my book because listen, here's the thing. It's a movie, reads mm -hmm. like a movie. Here's my book, Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. By the way, that was my working name. You pick a pseudo name to work and my name was Fallon York. You never York. use your real name. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, and so how did you, how were you able to transition out of this without? People are going to have to just get my book to find out. Sorry. Gotcha. Got, hey, hey. But hey, I will that, say this. That I works. will say this. I surrendered my life to God. Mm -hmm. I surrendered my life on an overdose one night and I never went back. And that was August 2nd, 2003. 17 years ago, this girl got set free. Never went back to prostitution, I should say, trafficking. What's what's so amazing to me about it is it really fits into, you know, my introduction to Striper was the song, Honestly. Um, and that song just speaks of who God is, even through our most, you know, tumultuous years and our darkest points. And, you know, he's standing there right there next to us saying, look, turn to me, turn to me. And so I, I guess that's really what I do want to ask you, though, anybody watching this that may be in a narrative like you were in and, you know, you talk about the Stockholm syndrome and stuff. There's toxic relationships even outside of that that people were in and feel trapped. And for whatever reason, what would you say to them? Like, how, how would you tell them to start taking steps away from that? Well, I would definitely, if you feel like you're being abused and you need to get away, you need to contact the local agencies and you can always call to find out who they are. Of course, you're going to have to sneak because we all know when they're abusive, they watch your phone, they watch your every 
move. They're stalkers. They're, it's awful. So find out because back then for me, I didn't know of any of those resources. So yeah. I didn't know what to do. So but I could say to you, your domestic violence hotline, a lot of people that are having domestic violence happen to them are also getting their paychecks. Even if they're not being sold sexually, they're getting their paychecks managed by their abuser and he's yeah. taking all their money. So they're still being trafficked. Mm -hmm. They're being coerced and isolated and abused. You know, they're controlling their money. They're controlling their bank account. They're controlling where they go. And so that's not normal. That no. is, that is trafficking. If you don't have a say in where you go and where your money's going, you're being trafficked. Well, and does it called human trafficking? It, Sex trafficking is when there's when there's sexual uh, selling going involved. on. Yeah. But if you're being, a, you know, trafficked and like you're having to give sex to the guy and he's abusing you all the time and he's exploiting you, that's exploitation. I would just say to them, you know, obviously pray. God's got to help you if you have any agencies. I think what you can do, Todd, is there's uh, organizations, there's national hotlines for domestic violence and national hotlines for sex trafficking that you can put in the link that they yeah. can call. We'll definitely put that in the description help. here. Yeah. And it, it, you know, even at the latest or at the, at the least thing that you could do, because I might not do it because I was so afraid, you have to do this. I was always afraid to leave with the police there because my traffickers had pictures and recordings of people that died that I loved mm. and I had no copies of them and it kept me there and wow. artwork that I physically did mm -hmm. and material things. And it stopped me from leaving sure. sooner. If that's holding you back, it's not worth it. Mm. Just let it go. I just want to encourage them to just let it go. Your life is more valuable than those things or those memories. I understand that more than you under, un, understand that I understand it because I lived that and I had to let all of that go to get free. I couldn't take any of it with me. Mm -hmm. When you leave an abuser or a pimp, you leave with nothing. That's just the way it is. You know, I had to leave millions of dollars behind that I never got to see, by the way, because one of my traffickers was a gambler. And so he gave all the money back to Vegas. And so where, where do you move in, in your relationship with Christ and stuff? How, how long did that guilt and that shame sort of control you even after that? Or did it, did it, did it after that overdose that night, did it just, was it, was it gone at that point? In shame for... Just for everything Being in that lifestyle. Yeah. Just everything that you'd been through because you know, the enemy uses guilt, shame, fear, all those things to try to keep us down as well. And when we start to walk with the Lord, you know, for some people it disappears overnight and for other people it doesn't, it's a process. It's a journey. You know, you know? that, that, that was something that was already kind of disappearing that I was trying to let go. But when I accepted Christ, like he lifted all that stuff off of me. Amen. And then That's anything beautiful. that was rigid, just like he always does, anything residual, kind of mm -hmm. like the dross when you heat up a metal, like you're trying to purify silver or gold, there's some junk that's going to come up to the top. And that, that happens because we're human. Amen. And so yeah. any residuals, he's always showing me, let it go. Mm -hmm. No, that guilt right there, that is guilt that you do not need to carry. I did that for you, Annie, let it go. And then I just have to make that conscious decision. I'm going to let that go. That's why I love, I, I love the, 
you know, the song, I know I'm going to bring up Frozen, but the song Let It Go is just, it, for me, that's a freeing song because it's like, just let it go. Sure. The more we hold on to these materialistic things and the thoughts and the fantasies of what things, one of the things I hug on to or held on to more than anything else was the fantasy of a relationship that could never be, that I mm -hmm. thought could be one day. Yeah. One day they'll change. I implore anyone that's listening, they are not going to change. Yeah. You have to leave and let them get counseling and help, but it's not your job to wait around for them to do that. Get out of there so you can take care of you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's very important that you do that because you could lose your very life by waiting for them to change. It's not worth it. Right. Bye, devil. Bye, devil. <laughs> I hear you. I <laughs> I mean, th th this is such an opening conversation, you know, the fact that we could just be open about this stuff because, you know, I, I just don't understand. I have a real, real difficult time with the fact that we put so many, you know, let's not talk about this or let's not talk about that. And it used to be a much worse thing, you know, for our parents and for that, those generations where they wanted to hide all these secret, you know, narratives and stuff. And it's like, why? I mean, the Bible is, is, you know, overflowing with stories of. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted you know, to share humanity. that by the way. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to share because I have, so it says in Galatians five thirteen, for you were called to freedom brothers. We could just say brothers and sisters, right? Amen. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So for me, I took my freedom and did whatever I wanted to do. And then I got in bondage. Mm -hmm. My freedom and my willingness to just go all out there and be who I wanted to be and get what I needed to hustle to become a call girl, prostitute, stripper, whatever that is, put me into bondage. I want to speak to people out there right now. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Okay. You will get yourself into the worst bondage. Now, at the end of my life, total drug addiction total toxic relationships. Never thought I could survive that. Then, then it says, it says, uh, <laughs> now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Second Corinthians three seventeen. holler at your girl. You want to know something? God shows us the truth and he opens up the door. Mm. And he, he shows you the truth of that relationship. He, he shows you those red flags and you need to pay attention to it because he's giving you the key to get out of that thing. But you have to decide to turn the lock and put it in the lock because you're only locking yourself up and staying locked in that closet, captive to that person, captive to that situation, that addiction, that thing you keep doing over and over because you are refusing to acknowledge these red flags. That's what it is. You have a choice. Now, trafficking... I know not so much. However, there is a point where God will give you that key to get out of that situation. And you need to be ready to take that door and whip it open and go. Mm. And you, and yes, sometimes you're going to risk your life to do it. I had to, the both traffickers, I had to escape them. My brother showed up with gun for one of them, mm -hmm. 30 out six, baby. He was like, let's go. And I was like, okay, I'm packing right now. My ex-trafficker filmed the whole thing on a video camera, like we were doing something illegal. Go ahead, put us in. I'm taking you to court. For what? <laughs> this wow. is my stuff, bro. Okay, this is my house. Hello. Yeah. So the second one I had to sneak away from because he was super violent. 
there's no way he would have let me out alive actually. Mm. So. Well, you know, Annie, I, I, I appreciate you being on here so much. And I really want to talk about, you know, ways people can get involved. How, how can people help? What, what can they do? But let's say in their own local communities in Las Vegas, they can come see you, but. Yes, you know, but we, what, we definitely, um, no matter what, cause we, we can take donations out of state. I mean, out of the country, cause we have a nonprofit. So if people want to get involved here and just, even if they come and I know COVID is here right now, so we can't really do mission work yet with people out of state, but you can always go to our website and donate hookersforjesus.net and you can find us on Instagram and then of course you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter Annie Lobert I have a lot of followers actually I don't know why people want to hear what I have to say but I, I'm kind of sassy so I think people <laughs> like what I have to say <laughs> well and you, I really, you've got I really, your own podcast correct I do it's called Annie's Pink Chair mm. and you can just ask Annie and she'll get you on there <laughs> awesome but awesome. Uh, yeah I love to interview people and actually I'm going to be more intentional and start to do topics more than anything because we we discuss real raw relevant issues from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom but i honestly like feel like there's so much more things out there that we can talk about current situations are very relevant and my opinion is sometimes very x-rated and r-rated okay because so I, is life so hey yeah you know. I, I i just i what i really want to say i don't get to say all the time because of the nonprofit. sure and I'd probably lose some donors. Um, and I'm not sure on, e on either side, but so I have to be careful what I say, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> be sweet. All right. But Play the it game. is what it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, in your own communities, I would definitely look up your local communities and see what is around in your communities to, to be a part of. And of course, do your research, make sure that this person has a guide star profile make sure that their donations are going where they say mm -hmm. ours we have an audit every year and we just started doing that a couple of years back and so people can know that when they give they give to a cause that's actually doing something good and the you know it's 80 90 95 percent goes back to direct services that's what that's you want in a nonprofit. very good point yeah you don't want to just be paying a bunch of salaries for corporate positions that don't do direct services. Now, if you are giving to an organization that's educating and they're, most of their money's going to education, great. That's mm -hmm. what their whole objective is. If they say direct services, make sure they're direct services. Gotcha. Uh, we, aftercare, we are big on direct services and aftercare. That's what we do. We like to pull them out. That's part of our service, but our big majority is Destiny House and our up and coming Dream House, which is our second home here in Las Vegas that we're uh, getting ready to open soon that will hold our graduates in that have jobs and are going to college. So, so tell us a little bit about Destiny's House real quick. What, what is the goal and the objective there? So I, I was bringing ladies to church from the strip and I had nowhere to take them when they left their traffickers. So I was getting them hotels which is really, really not good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And bringing them to my own, own home, which is completely unethical. It's against social work rules. You should never, ever do that. And anyone that's doing that now, you guys knock it off because it's dangerous. Number one, number two, uh, there's no boundaries and you are going to get so burnt out. It's not even funny. Right. You will quit everything and all day long, you'll never do this again. And that's what will happen to you. So I started Destiny House, it, the first one in 2007, the idea for it. I started the nonprofit in 2005 and officially filed in 2007. But 
the destiny house is a place where ladies can come and dream, discover, develop into God's perfect destiny he has for them. It's faith-based. We don't force them to believe. We give every service that's available. The first six months is all healing. The rest of the stay, which is a year to a year and a half, is all school or job. And then they graduate, move out into the second house, which is a kind of an independent living where they will be checked on by social workers, but they're just going to be kind of massaged into back into society in a good way, not physically, but you know what I mean? Like we're getting them ready to live their lives again, away from trafficking, traffickers, toxic relationships, all that. And now they can finally live the dream that they have been designed to live, which is God's plan and destiny for their life. So that's what destiny house is about. We have equine therapy, self-defense workout, eating right. They go to trauma counseling, trauma group therapy. They uh, go to the doctors, obviously they go to court. You know, we work with their records, try to get their records sealed and anything that's, you know, family reconciliation. We're big on that. We have a girl going this week to visit uh, family. She's so excited about that. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. She was in jail for a long time and now she gets to visit her family and I'm so happy for her. Um, And so you know, we are just really big on restoration, restoration, mm-hmm. the, the complex trauma that happens from being trafficked is severe, mm-hmm. severe. And complex trauma is a lot different than PTSD because PTSD can happen from one, one or two or three events. Complex trauma is repeated events, interpersonal relationship events over and over and over. An abused child can develop it. Someone in war that's in a camp where they're being pr- held prisoner right? Someone that's being held prisoner in a relationship, they can't leave complex trauma. And it's very severe. It can develop all kinds of different syndromes, borderline personality, uh, agoraphobia. We don't want to be around people, uh, anxiety disorders, major depressive disorders, hyperactivity disorders, all kinds of different things can happen from being sex trafficked. Wow. So, and sonomic, sonomic disorders as well. So physical, Okay. Yeah. And then physical injury, not only that, physical sickness can happen from complex trauma. So I had developed Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had cancer. Oh for my about gosh. Two and a half years. Yep. Mm. So wow. I'm better now though. That was in 95 to 97. Amen. So that's, that's what we do. I mean, and, and you know what? I love Jesus mm-hmm. and the ladies get introduced to Jesus and it's one of the best things out of our program, I could tell you that ladies that graduate tell me, Annie, they're like, your program just changed my life. Destiny House changed my life because I finally know my purpose. I finally know that God is my father and Jesus is my best friend mm. and I can do anything. I can do anything now. And, and do you find that like there's an earthly father element to that, that they have to let go of some of that baggage too quite often? Or? Of course, because yeah. the earthly father usually is an abuser or not. Right. It just depends. Right. Maybe he's never there. So if he's not there, he's still an abuser because he abandoned them. Right, right. Right? Totally. So there's this, this heart issue. It's the orphan spirit mm-hmm. and the, the, the widow spirit where mm-hmm. you are at a loss of a husband. You're at a loss of a father. So you're just like, you have no man in your life and you wonder why these people get trafficked a male figure in their life a healthy male figure is better than nothing and when they don't get that yeah this is the result yeah definitely makes complete society sense. traffics them look at marilyn monroe 
Yeah, totally. She was our first royal star that got sex trafficked by Hollywood. Mm. Really sad, right? And murdered. <laughs> it's not a theory. It's a fact. Well, well, thank you so much, Annie. We really appreciate you being on this show. And okay, we, you're welcome. You know, you take care. And this is Rocking Odd Todd signing out for this episode. Love God, love people, and love Pat. Take care. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Annie. You You, you take care. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Hopefully it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you turn into the next episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through song. <laughs>